this morning I have the privilege of setting the stage for a few stories. We're going to hear some stories of the ways that different folks in our church family are choosing to intentionally live on mission. Again, if you are newer to Mission Point, this is a great week to be in church. Uh, we are going to be leaning into the heart and heartbeat of who it is we believe Jesus has called us to be and what it is we believe Jesus has called us to be about. If uh, you are part of the Mission Point Community Church family, this is going to be a reminder about who it is that Jesus has called us to be and what he's called us to be about. And um, here's the simple way we say it. And then we're going to just talk a little bit about this. The dream, the dream at Mission Point, if God could do anything with our church family, our desire is to become a church filled with people who show and share the love of Jesus wherever we go. Our dream is to be a church filled with people who show and share the love of Jesus wherever it is we go. We just celebrated the unbelievable gift of the sacrifice of Jesus' life on our behalf to offer us freedom and forgiveness and fullness of life. And now we as a church believe that he's calling us to go and show and share the love that he has shown to us. Um, I just want to take some time to accent a few of those thoughts, a few of those phrases. And the first one I want us to, to, to zone in on is this idea of being a church filled. A, a church filled. Um, because a church filled um, with people who live to show and share the love of Jesus Christ, a church filled means we believe Jesus does not hand out any exemptions. Uh, if you hang around here long enough, you're going to hear us say this in one way or another. We don't believe that Jesus hands out any exemptions when it comes to living on mission. We want to see every single person who calls themselves a follower of Jesus Christ figuring out what does it look like for me to show and share the love Jesus has shown and shared with me. What does it look like for me to do that wherever I go? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we believe this means you. You are called to show and share Jesus where you go. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It, it doesn't matter how well you know the Bible. It doesn't matter what stuff you still struggle with. Turns out Jesus does not hand out exemptions and Jesus doesn't hand out disqualifications when it comes to living life on mission. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. These are the words of Jesus as he was about to launch his church. That's us. Here's what it says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I love that. If you have trusted Jesus, you have received the Holy Spirit. If you have received the Holy Spirit, then you have been called and qualified 
to live the mission of showing and sharing his love. You're a witness. It is who you are. And your qualification is the fact that the spirit of the living God lives in you. You're a witness. Uh, Now, in most of my church experience growing up, um, there was this lie that loomed large over the pews. And I don't think any of us said it out loud, but we believed it and we definitely lived like it. And the lie in the church went something like this. There are two categories of Christians in the church. There are regular Christians, uh, which most of us like to lump ourselves in that category. One of the few times we liked being regular. And the second category was this special, super Christians. Those are the folks who have a a little more of the spirit of God. They've got a little more of the Lord's calling and they have unique gifts and abilities and they are just special. Ah, the regular folk, the regular Christians, you know, show up to church every Sunday. We get our collective praise on. Maybe we serve a little bit. Maybe we give. Who knows? And then we go back to our places, live our lives, and then we come back the next Sunday, we rinse and repeat the same process. Also known as good church-going folk. But there's a second category of Christians, the special Christians, and in that category, four people like pastors. That's a special category of Christian. They are trained. They went to these fancy schools. And I think they have a little bit more of the Holy Spirit than the rest of us. And God has gifted them uniquely. And they have a special Bible that God highlighted himself. And they have codes with information. They hear from God in ways that the rest of us don't hear from God. And the way it works is If you want to see your friends and your family transformed by the power of Jesus Christ, it's really simple. Invite them to church and let the special pastors tell them about Jesus and all will be well. Our job as regular folk is to bring people to the professional folk and the professional folk will do their job. And will tip them when the offering comes around. Right in the, in the special category of Christians, felt people like missionaries. Who missionaries? Mission. These people are so heavenly minded that on earth they're super awkward and socially awkward. Like right, like um, because they apparently don't care what people think. So fashion is just optional, you know. Um. The missionaries, like, and they have a unique gift of evangelism, and they've been called, and it's always to take the Bible and the gospel of Jesus Christ to these really primitive places where people are constantly underdressed, right? And our job is to pray for them and maybe give them a little bit of money and let them live out the mission because they're a special category of Christians. They've left their regular lives, their regular jobs, and now they're just full-time fundraising and showing pictures about the places they go. Hilarious, except also very sad. And most importantly, Jesus just shatters 
that lie in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. As he announces to his soon to be launched church, nope, there are just Christians. You all have the same savior. You have the same spirit. You have the same calling. You have the same mission. There are no exceptions, no exemptions. There are no disqualifications. Just Christians filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and qualified to show and share the love that I've shown and shared with you wherever it is you go. You may never have heard this before, but I hope you never miss hearing that, at least at Mission Point. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a missionary. Not because you went to a special school or required a special qualification, but because the Spirit of God has turned you into a witness of what Jesus Christ has done in you and for you. You are a missionary, thanks to his Holy Spirit. And we want to become a movement of intentional, everyday missionaries, because frankly, there are only two categories Those of us who are living intentionally as missionaries and those of us who are living passively as missionaries. But all of us are on mission. All of us are called to show and share the love of Jesus Christ wherever it is we go. So I'm just asking, which one are you? I know you're a missionary. I'm just asking, are you the intentional kind or the unintentional Kind. Do you think of yourself as a missionary wherever it is you go? Or do you think of yourself as someone who's regular and your job is to let the special category of Christians take care of the mission that Jesus Christ has called us to? Man, we want to be a movement that just starts to pray the dangerous, scary, risky, messy prayer. Holy Spirit, open my eyes and show me how you want me to live intentionally as a missionary today. And watch out. But it's not a prayer that we're going to be tempted to pray if we've exempted ourselves or we have placed ourselves in the category of the regular Christian folk. There is no such thing. Another phrase I want to draw to your attention is this phrase, where we go or wherever we go. Because we believe that he has called us to show and share his love wherever we go. Because it turns out the mission is not a trip. It's a lifestyle. Showing and sharing the love of Jesus is not something I do when I get on that plane and I get to that place. I am a missionary, which means I am on a mission wherever it is that I go. Mission is not a place. Mission is the person. Again, I grew up with that mindset that believed you're a missionary when you leave the place where you live. And you go somewhere where there's always weird food, apparently, right? Um, I had to travel to do mission, to take a trip, to become a missionary whenever I got there. And then we would refer to that place, typically in Africa, you know, um, as the field. 
So you guys are back home from the field. When are you guys going back to the field? Like this big, massive field where everyone plays Red Rover, Red Rover, and wears Birkenstocks. I don't even know what this place is. But the field. Um, nope. If I am a missionary, guess what? Wherever I go, that's the field. Everywhere I go becomes a field. It becomes a space in which I'm called to live on mission. Otherwise, you get that stuff. Like, get out of my way. I'm trying to get to the mission field. Shh, don't talk to me. I'm trying to get ready to go to the mission field. Right? Because I only become a missionary on mission when I get to that place. And I miss what it is Jesus says that I am. And where it is, he says, I ought to be on mission. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Jesus to his soon-to-be launched church. Therefore, he says, go and make disciples of all nations. Show and share my love. And show and share how folks are to continue to live in my love. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is scary stuff, by the way. That the Spirit of God lives in you and I will be with you. Do you even understand what you walk into a room with? Do you even understand what happens when you step into Kroger supermarket? That whole place became a mission field. Spirit showed up. Jesus showed up because you got there. Now, historically, we've read this passage as this command where Jesus is saying, Go! And make disciples. Go and make disciples. No, it's a present participle in the original language. Better translated, as you go, make disciples. Or in your going, make disciples. The field is wherever you happen to be going. Wherever you happen to be. There, be on mission. Because turns out you are a spirit-filled, Jesus-accompanied missionary. Regardless of how long you've known him. Regardless of if you even know how many books there are in the Bible. It's the spirit of the living God. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a missionary. And your space, your field is wherever you go. On a regular basis. So I just want to encourage you. Make as much money as you can legally. At your job. That's great. But do not forget. The primary reason you go to the place where you work. Is to show and share the love of Jesus. With hurting and broken people. At your place of employment. Or the company that you own. If you roll like that. That's your mission field. And please hear me tell you, if you wait for the professional pastors and missionaries to show and share the love of Jesus where you work, there are going to be a lot of neglected fields because you are there on assignment. You are the missionary. You are the representative. Jesus in heaven are leaning over the balcony looking at you to show and share the love of Jesus. And you have everything you need, spirit of the living God. 
Jesus accompanying you and a story of what he's done in your life. And what he's willing to do for them. And at a minimum, he has treated you a certain way and you are in that place. And now you've got to show people what it's like by the way you treat them, the way Jesus has treated you. I'm just telling you. You're not just a stay-at-home parent. You're a missionary, and that home is your field. The main reason you are there in that home is to show and share what Jesus is like with your kids, um, with your spouse, with whoever else happens to live in your house. And our prayer is that there will be a revolution in the way we think about how we sit in those spaces, how we sit in our homes. That I wake up and like, oh, spirit of the living God, Jesus accompanying me, the gospel that's transformed me. And I am on a mission. The question is today, will I be intentional, unintentional as I am a missionary in my home? Um, you are not first and foremost a student or an athlete. That may be the way people treat you. That's not the way heaven thinks about you. When you step into your school facility, there are teachers and students who are hurting and broken and most desperately need to experience a little bit of what Jesus Christ is like. And you've been given that assignment. You are in that school as a representative of Jesus Christ to your friends, to your peers. And if you're not intentional, you're going to find yourself consumed and concerned with like what people think about me. Am I part of the cool crew? You know, and what are my stats? And you will miss the primary reason that you're in that space. And think about it for a moment. None of the rest of us get to go to your school. And interact with students the way you do. You are heaven's representative in your school. And on your campus. There are hurting people on your hall. Some of them may know Jesus. Some of them may not know Jesus. But both need to continually be reminded what Jesus Christ is life. That is where life is ultimately found. Ah, Whether it's your hobby. That becomes your field. Oh, you thought that was just a pickleball court. That's a mission field the moment you step on it. So I'm not saying don't win. Like, no, beat them badly. <laughs> but in a very Christ-like way. <laughs> or the golf course. Come on, man. When we start to look at this, as like, I mean, I'm stepping on my field. I hope I do better than I did before. I want to approach everything with excellence. Jesus did. But... Ultimately, Lord, how, Spirit of God, how do you want me to show and share the love of Jesus with the people in this space? Maybe for you, it's an area of passion. How do you want me to show and share the love of Jesus in this way? And I'm just saying, imagine what would happen if, if we as a church embraced a church filled with people who thought like that. Just think for a moment what would happen in our county. Because if you do the math, you're going to quickly realize there isn't a single area of this county that the church doesn't have representation in. The orthopedic world, we're there. The food industry, meh. The schools, all of them. Homeschool community, we're there too. Now imagine if we all started living on mission in those different places. Oh man, there would be an awakening as Jesus was experienced and his love was communicated and his gospel was shared. But it starts with a movement of people who embrace the fact, I'm a missionary, I'm on mission wherever it is 
that I go would be pretty extraordinary. Again, that's the dream for us. Here it is again, to become a church filled with people who show and share the love of Jesus wherever we go. Now, please hear me say, we want this place on a Sunday morning to be filled with worshipers. Oh man, we long for that. But please also hear me say, if Sunday worship doesn't turn into Monday mission, we have failed as a church. If there's a movement of people who show up and we sing and we feel fueled or fed, but we don't leave these walls to live on mission. We failed. And as a church, we've never wanted to ultimately measure success by how many people come into this room. We've wanted to measure success by how many of those people leave these walls and show and share the love of Jesus where it is that they go, wherever that happens to be. No, Sunday morning, we come to carb load for the work ahead of us outside of these walls to show and share Jesus in the places where he has us on assignment. So I'm so excited here in a few moments, we get to hear some stories of, of some of the ways that some of the folks um, in our church are, are, are attempting to take steps in living intentionally on mission. And we realize we're going to hear just from a, a cross-section, a small population. Many of you are doing that as well, and we want to continue to uh, to lean into that. I, um, a few weeks ago, uh, promised I would share a little bit about some of the ways that the Lord has given me opportunity to, to live on a mission outside of these walls. And um, I'm not saying I'm thrilled about it, but I think it's helpful, you know, to, 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 to talk about. A team knows, like, Kondo, you don't like sharing stories and some of these stuff, but it'll be good for us to talk about it. And I agree. Um, not enthusiastically, but I agree nonetheless. But some of you know that um, I have the opportunity to uh, a few times a year work as a MC or a host at professional tennis events around um, the country, which is a, a pretty cool opportunity outside of these walls. In fact, I'll show you uh, a few pictures, kind of humble brag. Um, that's Iga Shiantek. If you know tennis, you know. Number one player in the world. She's absolutely outstanding. But my job is to introduce these players and to interview these um, players um, as well. And someone recently asked me, you know, man, how did you get into that? Well, passion. I love tennis. So a friend, uh, John Metz and I, we would take off work, vacation days, and we would go to Cincinnati and we would just watch tennis. And the minute we got there, it became a mission field, right? Uh, we watched tennis because we enjoyed it. But... Um, we would also, needless to say, um, must be Serena. Gersh, that's Serena? Okay, I don't know, okay. Um, but needless to say, it was a commitment. Like, Jesus, I want to treat people the way you treat me, regardless of who they are, regardless of what they do. And then, of course, he opened opportunities because one of the questions people are dumb enough to ask me, so what do you do for a living? I work at a church. And in the tennis world, it's like, what's a church? Like legitimately, because they're playing on weekends. Like church meaning what? And there's an opportunity to talk about that. But um, and in the process of that, I think a combination of wanting to treat people well, and God has given me certain gifts in communication 
um, the organizers that I ran into and just met organically said, have you ever thought about maybe serving as a host or MC? And I'm like, no, I come here for fun. I don't come here to work, you know, but eventually gave it a shot. And it was something I enjoyed. It gave me an opportunity to get to know uh, different folks. And man, that's been such a privilege. And over and over with my teammates, I have an opportunity to share what Jesus has done for me and what he's willing to do for them. I have an opportunity to listen to people and stories of brokenness on a regular basis. I have an opportunity um, to offer to pray for these folks, um, all because it was a passion that turned into a field that turned into an opportunity to represent Jesus outside of the walls of the church. Pretty cool. Now, it's my kids, um, especially my teenagers, it doesn't matter how many events I go to, how many tennis players I interact with, they're like, tell us if you meet someone famous. Because tennis is ridiculous. Like, it's dumb. Like, no, but I meet famous people all the time. No, like, real famous. Like, that's not famous. And so, unless I send them, like, a picture of a singer or an NBA player, they're like, no, it doesn't, it doesn't really count, you know. But um, I think I got, like, biggest props when I met these five guys up here on the screen. I didn't know who they were. Like, I, I did it. So they're like, wait, you don't know who these dudes are? I'm like, I don't know who these dudes are. Uh, um, but got to work together at the U.S. Open in, in New York. And uh, man, inevitably, as you can imagine, this is actually the bigger point. Like uh, Kobe, I think there's two twins. I Anyway, Kobe, I think, is wearing purplish shorts. I mean, we're talking. So he's saying, hey, so Kondo, where do you live? Indiana. Like, what do you do? I'm a pastor. What? No way. My dad's a pastor, you know, and uh, man, we grew up in the church and with Campus Crusade for Christ. Now crew, like, it's, it's part of what we do. And then I learned these guys love Jesus. And so he brings Cody, the tall guy. Cody, he was a youth pastor for years and years and years. Was always in trouble with a senior pastor because he was pushing the limits, you know, with his students. And just a lawsuit always waiting to happen. But I cannot tell you how beautiful it was to run into these guys and realize like, oh my goodness, you guys are living on mission. You've been given this unique space um, of trick art and it has opened these doors and I cannot tell you enough how beautifully they are representing Jesus Christ in the world in which they live. I'm like, I'm, not, I'm the biggest fan ever, you know. Um, so pretty cool to run into other folks who are doing the same thing. And again, all of this just because we stepped into places and I, I hope just asking God, how can we be more intentional in the spaces in which you place us. Um, man, I get to speak in places outside of Mission Point, and that's, that's a privilege. Um, I don't, I mean, I definitely say more no's than I say yeses because home is my first space and my first calling. And uh, Mission Point is my home and calling. I hate to be gone. I love being here, you know. But man, if there's an opportunity occasionally, especially if it involves vulnerable children, and we get to talk about vulnerable children and how the church can come and rally around them. I am, I'm like, I'm in. I want to be um, a part of that. Or if I have the opportunity to go to Grace College, because, man, I love me some Grace College and Dr. Flam and so many. See what I'm saying? Um, how can you not? Um, 
But ultimately, to me, my mission field is is home. It's my family, and my kids are in sports. So as you can imagine, we're constantly sitting at sporting events, trying not to yell at refs with other people that we don't know. And it's like, God, please give us the opportunity. And that's the hardest place for me, to to be on mission, because I'm watching my kids, you know. um, And I never want them to think I'm working while I'm watching them, right? But... The Lord gives us so many opportunities and so many platforms, and we want to learn what it looks like to show and share Jesus outside of these walls. Um, We're going to learn about mission partners next week and some of the ways that God has continued to increase their platforms, and they've needed to go full-time into some of what they're doing. Uh, But today, we want to hear from a few of our folks. So, man, be patient. We'll be out a little bit after noon as we hear some of these stories, and um, pretty amazing. Um, First, we're going to check out a video from Matt Metzger, um, a part of the church family, and some of the ways that he is living this, and then we're going to hear some stories from some of um, our other folks. So, man, enjoy, and I hope it encourages you to think about how you can live intentionally on mission. Check out this video. So Matt, when I think about people in our church living on mission, I think of you and the ways that you show up to your job at Grace in the role of marketing. Then after work, you are busy. You're filling your calendar and your days with including people on some of your adventures. What motivates you to bring people alongside of you in your day-to-day life? Well, first, thanks for choosing Lucetti. I love it. Thank you. Uh, what motivates me partially is selfishness. I love the, the outdoors and doing things actively. Mm-hmm. Same with Shelly. Yeah, so what are some of those things that you like to do outdoors? Oh, you name it, but uh, biking is one, uh, boating, kayaking, uh, riding horses, you name it. Just anything outside, camping, whatever. Mm -hmm. Being in the outdoors. Mm -hmm. Yes. So what are some of the practical ways that you get to do this and bring people alongside of you? I know that you have an organization that was started by someone in your family called Boundless. Mm -hmm. How do you integrate activities in Boundless? What is it? Okay. So what Jesus' uh, number one commandment was love God with everything you've got and love your neighbor as yourself. So we say loving your neighbor means inviting them into our, the activities that we are doing. Mm-hmm. So like like I mentioned, you know, biking, riding horses, camping, whatever it might be, going hiking at night. We've, we've hiked around out here at night with a big groups of people, and we just say you are welcome regardless of your situation. I see the hospitality of Jesus so much in that idea of they're outsiders, and we are meant to bring the outsiders in just like Jesus did for us. And so I am so grateful for the ways that you and Shelly continue to give over and over in some of these ways. I know personally I've been impacted when I think about the foster sons I have who want to go fishing or mountain biking, and I'm not going to do that. You are so quick to say yes, to bring them alongside, to talk about life, to help them purchase a Mother's Day gift, like a gift for me. You are so quick to do those things. I hope you never stop. I trust that you won't. But we really benefit from having you here at Mission Point and extending the love of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Matt and Shelly. Thank you, Kondo, for just sharing. Sometimes I think it can be a little weird, even as we're getting ready to share now, to say, hey, can you just lay it all out there for us? Give us some practical ways that you live on mission. I think there's like no plagiarism when it comes to Christianity. Tell me how to do this. Show me the way. Let me copy and paste it, because I just need some tangible ways to do that, which is my hope of what you'll be able to hear this morning. So um, we have just a few voices. Again, I know that many of you could be up here and I could ask you some of the same questions. Rick and Lori, they're going to share a little bit um, 
with you about what it looks like for them to live life on mission. So Lori, I know that you are Nana, that you work part-time, but also in the last several years, you've really taken hold of community theater here in Warsaw and in Wabash, and you're also the president of the Classic Arts Program here in Warsaw. A lot of really neat community impact there. I would love if you would share with us how you're able to share, show and share the love of Jesus in those spaces. Well, God has given me some gifts and talents in music and performing and hospitality. And it comes down to how can I use those things for the kingdom, right? So with classic arts programs, it's, it's kind of easy because I like to sing. I've been singing for years and years and years, real literal, literally years and years and years. And um, joining a choir turned into joining the board and becoming the president. And so we strive for excellence, like Kondo said. Whether therefore you eat or drink, Kondo didn't say this, but whether therefore you eat or drink, or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. So we strive to make our performances the highest quality we can. We strive for excellence. And when you come to our concerts, you see that. With the community theater, it's a little more challenging because all of a sudden, um, well, the community theater in, in, at the Wagon Wheel started about nine years ago, and I joined when we started. And all of a sudden, it, that was brand new to me. I'd never acted. I'd never been in a play. I didn't do it in high school or college like a lot of other people have. So it was new to me, but I embraced it. It was something I was really interested in, and, and I love it. And it's a passion of mine. So how can I show the light of Jesus there? And there are a lot of opportunities because the theater is uh, full of very diverse people, people who are different than I am. I'm a Baptist preacher's daughter, so I have some very different perspectives than many of the people in my theater groups. So religiously, politically, about God, everything. So um, being able to sit with them and listen to them and hear their struggles and their hurts. Many are similar to my own. Um, and trying to navigate n- diplomatically how to uh, share the gospel with them. So one of the things that my husband and I do is uh, we love to host the cast parties. So after every production, we have a cast party in our home. So we like to share our space with them and invite them into our home. And also, one of my favorite things is to have the uh, summer, Wagon Wheel Summer professional troupe come into our home for a lunch and a pool party. So at those, at those lunches, I'm able to share the gospel with the young people and just tell them what Jesus means to me and how he's changed my life. And then I bless the food, ask Jesus' blessing on the food, and we have a great party. So here's something that has really helped me. Um, uh, You know, it's not about changing people. It's about sharing Jesus with them. And here's the thing. I'm I'm a known sinner. I, I have a slight grasp on what Jesus did for me. Like my husband once said, I don't want you to be like me. I want you to have what I have. So by introducing people to Jesus and telling them about the gospel, the gospel and Jesus make the change, not me. And once I accepted that, uh, wrapped my mind around it, it took all the pressure off me to win people for Christ. Thanks, Lori. Lori is known, I think, by many as someone. Like, they have a list and like numbers 
Pounty people, they have been able to host our parties they've hosted and opportunities that, hey, if you come into our space, you're going to know why. You're going to know why this home was built to show Jesus we were intentional on that. So we're so appreciative, Lori. So for Rick, um, you have been involved in the Optimist Club. You also work with um, adult education. So students who did not finish their degree but wanting to go back to do that. You're part of the Wyoming Lake Town Council. And you are part of the pickleball community pickleball. here in Wyoming Lake Warsaw, which is something else, let me tell you. So can you just tell me how do you live on mission and some of those spaces there. Yeah, let's start with the uh, most fun, which is pickleball. To me, that we have a 60 to 80 people at least. We had a picnic this fall. We had 65 people show there at Kelly Park. Some of you may have come. Um, so that's about people. It's not about pickleball. It is because I love it. And some of you know me. I'm pretty competitive and I love to win. But it's about people. It's not about anything else. So if we keep our focus on people, whatever we're leading, whatever we're doing, whatever and those things in which we're involved, uh, then we have the correct focus because Jesus was all about helping people, serving people, and he served us obviously with his life as we shared today in communion. Um, through adult ed, um, I do the orientation. I help people then transfer uh, into uh, work, into tech school, college, whatever they want to do once they earn their high school diploma. So these people that didn't graduate anywhere from 16 to 60, uh, they come into adult ed. That's a part-time position I have. But I tell them when I do the orientation, there are two things that have really helped me be successful in life, my faith and my education. So it's an opportunity to share my life with them, my love with them, and who I am in Christ. Um, with, the, uh, with the town council, I've had people tell me, why are you doing this? Why don't you just enjoy life and travel a bunch? And as I said in the first service, my wife would love for us to travel more. But to me, it's about community. And how do we serve in our community? So if any of you have the opportunity to do that, whether it's through a political thing like the town council, and I currently serve as president of the town council for Winona, um, and some of you have been harassed by the, uh, the uh, new construction there, and I'm sorry about that, but it'll be over soon. Um, so, but it's serving people, being a part of the community, and making things happen, and that's what I enjoy. I enjoy seeing the differences and the changes that I can make in my life in Christ can make up on other people. So what I took away from that was if the roundabout is not finished soon, find Rick at church and we can discuss that, hash it out because let's be real. We gotta get that going. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's not what we took away. Thank you. I know it was, you know, it's interesting to be able to hear your listing, you know, you're talking, Rick, about retirement and this should look differently or there's changes that could just rest but both of you have chosen spaces. And again, I hope that later on today, you'll talk about what are the spaces that we're in after school, after work, before those things, what are the spaces that we're in and how do we implement those, um, ourselves into that to share our faith. So thank you, Lori and Rick. As they're exiting the stage, I'm gonna invite Cooper and Ashley on the stage um, and I'll get to them in just a moment. Yeah, go ahead, give them the applause. I'll share more about them here in just a minute, but I do want to just draw your attention very quickly to this graphic here. We've talked about different ways in which what is our assignment, what is our role as a church when it comes to the community. You've heard about Love Ed, the ways that we care for Lincoln Elementary, you've heard about Wrapped, the ways that we are supporting families in our community. Next week, you already got a hint, we're talking about the mission partners, but we also left space for this concept called DIY. We want to know your stories, and so on the screen, you'll see a QR code there. It'll also be in your email that you receive and should be reading today, later on in the afternoon, about the life of the church but that QR code will ask you some two questions. How do you live on 
mission. Um, so when it eventually pops up there, just use your phone, answer those questions. We want to celebrate you. We want to make a fuss about the ways that people here on Mission Point are living on mission. Speaking of, welcome to the stage, Cooper and Ashley. Cooper is a fourth grader at Harrison Elementary, and last year he had a project in his classroom called the Shamrock Project, where on each leaf he had to answer the following questions, something you wish for your family, something you wish for yourself, for the world, for a friend. And Cooper was aware of a boy in his class that would pick up um, a, a bag of food every Friday to um, take home to ensure that he had food over the weekend. And so he noticed that. And so on his wish, he mentioned that he wanted his friend to be able to buy the things that he needed. So his teacher ended up telling that to Ashley and to sharing with her of, like the awareness in which um, Cooper saw those things. And then some amazing things happened from that. So Cooper... What did you learn from the Shamrock Project? After I wrote the wish for my friend, I learned that he was sleeping on... He he lived in a small house with 14 other family members, and he had to sleep on the floor, so I learned that not everybody has a bed or clothes at their home. So it's pretty eye-opening for you just to see the different ways in which people live. So that turned into something else. What did you do as a result of what you noticed with your friend? I wanted to help everybody who didn't have the things they needed. So I talked to my parents, and they talked to my principal and teacher. And we came up with an idea that we could have a shop that would provide toiletries, stuffed animals, clothes, shoes, and more for the people who needed it. All from this project, all from that idea. It's pretty amazing. So, Ashley, you heard about this from the teacher. Cooper came home, was telling you about it. Um, What exactly is the Shamrock Shop? Yeah, so once we learned that these needs were sort of continuous, um, we converted a conference room in the school to an actual store. There are clothing racks full of different sizes of clothes. There's shoes, backpacks, um, a bunch of different toiletries. And it's a place that kids can come and shop. Their teachers can bring them down or ask me to come pick them up. And they're able to just get whatever it is that they need, get shoes that fit, and uh, sort of a no questions asked. And this is between the, the kid and the teacher. So it started as a pretty small idea. And this is like, oh, we can make this happen. Turned into a much bigger project for you. So tell me what it looks like for that role for you and even how you've been supported by your employer in this opportunity. Yeah, so we help this specific little boy that um, Cooper wrote about on his shamrock, but we realized there was more to be done. And Cooper was coming home and he was saying at the dinner table, did you know my friend showed up today in in flip-flops? It's snowing out. Or why did so-and-so wear the same shirt again? So I went to my employer and said, this is our idea. This is what we've come up with with the principal. I need time every week to sort of manage this shop. And they said, Absolutely. We will not only give you the volunteer hours to do that, but we will do a fundraiser to get you started. So I've had a lot of support um, from work and from the community. And I serve there every Friday, kind of over my lunch hour. Sometimes I'm just stocking things and taking inventory. Sometimes I'm meeting with teachers to hear about new needs, or I'm actually picking up kiddos from their class to bring them down to shop and then returning them back to their teachers. So this is not um, what I would say my skill set is. I work in corporate finance, but God made it very clear, not that this was something I should take on in addition to my job, and um, we have four kids, but that this was to replace other priorities in my life. So we've reshuffled priorities to make this happen and feel really um, 
convinced that this is what God has for us right now. That's amazing. And I love the design of the Shamrock Shop and Blazer Boutique, some of the other opportunities in their schools. Um, It's very connection-based too. So you get to spend time with some of these kids, get to hear their stories, get to love on them for a little bit. And it is an additional blessing, I guess, for them to experience that. So Cooper, I said this earlier to you today, and I'm going to say it again. I'm going to make you look, look in my eyes when I tell you it. I'm just kidding. I, what I love about this is that needs are being met, right? But also that you, your eyes were open, your ears were open to know of a need and then to do something about that. And so this is specific to Cooper and this story right now, but truly this is specific to each of us. We are all missionaries. This is our, this is our design for us to find something. You know, it might not be starting a shamrock shop because we already have one, but there's other opportunities in which I hope that you will truly investigate, ask people questions to ask the Lord to figure out what is it? What can my assignment be? What is it in addition to going to school or going to work or doing the things I do day in and day out? How do I do that in such a mission-minded way? Because I believe it's important. So again, that QR code is up there. I hope you will take out your phones. It's not weird. It's church. I just said you could. And just tell me something basic. I was already enjoying reading some of them where people were just saying, we use our house. That's the best way that we can live on mission. Someone else said from the first service, you know, we um, are constantly asking and for people to give us their um, suitcases so that we can donate them to the homeless shelter or to other areas in the community. That's great. We want to know those things. We want to make you aware of those other things that are happening in our community. Well, I'm going to pray for us um, this morning before we're dismissed, and then we'll have um, the elders and the prayer team up here if you would like prayer. But yeah, let's just pray together. God, thank you for the stories that have been shared today. And again, there were just a few of them, and we could have gone on and on. And we do that as an act of worship to you. These are your stories. No one is up here a hero and you know doing anything wild and crazy without your movement. You're the one that gives us eyes and ears and action and finances or other resources and time. And you are the one that does that for us. And I, when I think about the spaces that we're in, we know that Jesus, you left the best space. You left the space of being with God near to him, near to your father to come and be near to us, to take up space with us, to move us, to change us. And may we daily reflect that. God, I, I love what Ashley shared about we're going to talk about how to reprioritize because this was not going to fit. And I know that even in my own heart, in my own life, it's really easy to be like, I don't see how this is going to happen. Let's move on. When maybe instead, God, it's you reshaping and redefining because this is what matters. This is above and beyond what matters, that we are extending a hand, that we are bringing people near, that we are being aware of how we can um, serve other people. God, thank you for inviting us into that. May we always be a church that seeks wisdom to do that and then takes action to do that. And as we even leave here today, may we talk more about that. May we normalize not bragging about ourselves, but just sharing and letting it be contagious and asking others how they're living on mission so that we can reflect you. God, we are so grateful. Amen.